0: All right, welcome to yet another edition of the Offside Musings po- podcast. Um, on behalf of my co-host Emeka Onyagwa, this is okay in debate, and I'd like to welcome all our listeners uh, to this special edition, where we're going to look at the role of the judiciary in keeping Nigeria's political parties honest. Uh, Those of you who follow political news from Nigeria will remember that there was a very important judgment given on December 20, 2021. So as last year was winding down, a High Court in Abuja presided over by Justice Ekwo, ruled that Andy Oba of the All Progressives Congress, had not been properly nominated to represent his party the APC in the November 6 2021 governorship election in Anambra state in which Andy came third the judge ruled that the party indeed had failed to hold a, a primary uh, election for the in the state and therefore he found for the plaintiff, Judge Moralo, who had filed the lawsuit and uh, declared Andyoba and the APC absent in that election, ordered INEC, the Independent National Electoral Commission, to expunge Andioba's name and the name of the APC from the records of that election. The judge also ordered the APC to refund to the plaintiff, Judge Moralo, million naira that he had paid to buy a nomination form to participate in the primary election that the party failed to hold. So this is an important landmark judicial development that we think will have profound implications for the practice of internal democracy within Nigeria. So this and other issues related to the role of the judiciary in Nigerian politics will be the subject of today's podcast. Stay tuned.
1: So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it, that, that, um, that story, the, the story and the article, for those um, who haven't read it, they should go and definitely but gonna put it out there. Um, along with this episode, so you should go out there and th- 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 take a look at it in terms of um, holding people accountable, uh, judiciary-wise, which I think was very uh, intuitive. Um, on their, In some ways, I would say it's intuitive mm-hmm. on their part in terms of getting good governance, primarily at, because of the court of appeal, mm-hmm. ends up saying, hey, if you guys want to keep appealing this, you guys have to deposit this money.
0: <laughs> well, so so that the uh, listeners will have the full story. Um, in the opener, I talked about uh, Judge Moyalo and the lawsuit that he filed against the APC, uh, in which the judge ruled that Andy Oba was not legitimately chosen. Uh, In a party primary as a candidate of the APC for the governorship of uh, election in Anambra State on November 6, 2021. Um, The court found that the APC did not hold the primary. So, on the one hand, one could say, Wow, what terrible behavior by the APC. But this is actually a malaise that is widespread amongst all political parties in Nigeria that those it's almost as if Nigerian political parties operate as criminal entities okay and so what they do is elections come up and they uh, set very exorbitant fees for people who want uh, to seek the party's nomination to represent the party in the general election. Uh, typically, uh, if you look at how much George Moira, the candidate, uh, uh, the um, aspirant in Anambra state paid 22.5 million naira to pick up a form to seek the nomination of the party. That's the equivalent of 50 to fifty-five thousand dollars so we're going to talk about that in a second
1: based on the official exchange rate yeah
0: Yeah, precisely based on the official exchange rate so because this represents um, a terrible sign for several reasons the way in which some of the best candidates are excluded from the process because they don't have that money Um, but then what happens is that the party uh, Almost every political party in Nigeria uh, does this. They collect money from a bunch of candidates. Then on the day of the nomination, the party officials receive bribes from uh, the top candidates and they just award the ticket to one of them, perhaps the highest bidder or the most connected uh, uh, person without conducting a proper primary. So this was going on, but in 2015, a politician in Anambra state called Chike Madewe, um was looking to represent, to, uh, uh, to run for office for the senatorial office in Anambra state, in um, uh, Anambra um, central constituency in An- Anambra central is called he paid 4.5 million naira to buy his nomination form on the day of the primary he and other candidates gathered at the hotel which the party had specified would be the venue for the nomina- for, for the primary and no PDP officials were there as they waited they heard that the PDP had announced from a different hotel a secret location that Uche Kunife, um, a woman, uh, female politician, had won this primary election that never held. Uh, the way that the other candidates behaved was instructive because each of them, on hearing this news, ran off to some other hotel, announced that they had done a primary and that they won. So Chike Madehwe's own political uh, advisors were asking him to go and hold a press conference and announce that he'd also won. And Chike said no, because he's a principled politician. He's uh, he's a very uh, brainy lawyer, you know, and I have the fortune. I've known him. He's been something of a friend for close to 40 years. And so Chike is a very straight-laced person. And he said, no, no primary took place. So I'm not, it's going to be absurd if I go and announce that I won. So, and his political team was upset with him. They said, oh, you know, that's what you do. You're blowing grammar. Meanwhile, other people are, you know, you know, in Nigeria. Hustling. People, yeah, they, you have to hustle, you know, and then all of us will go to court and we'll decide, the court will decide chicken said no i want to do the right thing so what he did was that he filed a lawsuit against the pdp and he said in the lawsuit that the pdp had received money but had failed to deliver the consideration so he used a principle called money had and received for a failed consideration which means that the pdp had received his money um 4.5 million naira uh promising him that they, he will participate in a, a nomination process the party had failed to hold that nomination process so he asked the court to order the PDP to refund him his 4.5 million naira on December 5 2017 justice o o goodluck of the abuja federal capital territory uh abuja court ruled in his favor and ordered the PDP to refund him the money he would paid what the PDP did was that they ignored the judgment until the window of time for them to appeal it passed nevertheless they filed a lawsuit before the federal uh, court of appeal asking the court to allow them to bring an appeal even though the window of opportunity had passed and so the court said to them, you had all the opportunity to bring this lawsuit, uh, this appeal in a timely manner. We think that you have been mischievous, but if you're acting in good faith, if you think that there are points of law that you're going to bring up, then go and pay in the 4.5 million into a designated account and then we'll give you time to appeal. And the PDP's uh, lawyer said, Oh, I don't have the authorization of the party to provide that uh, money. So the court of appeal ruled for Chike. So that judgment, which was given first by justice, Goodluck, December 5, 2017 mm-hmm. has become the precedent, has become the landmark case now in Nigeria. And so it was the same case that Judge Morialo's lawyers invoked when they sued the APC and the Andioba. And in giving Judge Morialo's judgment on December 20, 2021, the court actually um, uh, invoked the president, the Chike Madehwe case, in saying that the APC should refund them his money. So this is, for me, a terrific development. Uh, because it's a way of chastening the political parties, of saying to them, you can no longer afford this your habit of just using the election season for your feeding frenzy, yeah, you know, and and, and for, to act almost like mobsters, you know, with the ethic of mobsters uh, in defrauding candidates of substantial amounts of money. Uh, as I said, in the case of George Mogalu, you know 22.5 million if you use the uh sort of rate official rate of exchange in nigeria is about 50 to 55 thousand dollars um so we have to talk about the whole question of whether it makes sense to charge political aspirants that much money to pick up a nomination form
1: yeah that's a good question uh I mean on one hand, I mean the political parties are going to say, Hey, how do we fund our activities and that's the easiest way that's what they they would want to do um in uh in absence of like um federal funding mm-hmm. for political um entities uh, that's what they want to do but in another way, it's like um even with that funding obviously um it it with the parties in power they don't they they don't um, even when they charge that much. They don't try to be good actors. Mm-hmm. They are bad actors during the process. They are bad actors. Um, I mean, factually, they are bad actors when they are um, can If their candidates win, mm-hmm. they are still they are, they are even worse actors at that point in time. So I mean, that's that's uh, this thing. And you know, the bigger question is: Does it in the entity called Nigeria does this make it a big difference? I mean, there's one way to say: Hey, look. Um, neutral parties that want to run for office, people who are, who are probably better candidates than um, these guys that they prop up, would it will open up the floor a lot more to have um, a lot more people even in the big parties run. Um, I mean, we've seen that uh, conversation with the um, with, with popular candidates that, uh, Farad Lotoe, people, for example, people like that, um, Kinsley Moalu, uh, Farad Lutoy, um a whole bunch of them who have on to other parties to to run because um, part of that calculation is the other parties have um, a fairer uh, distance. Not that they're not that they are great; they, they're mm-hmm. just fairer. Yes, comp- in compared to the big um, the, the two parties, the APC. Uh, I don't, is the AMPP still even existence anymore? <laughs> I was going to say the three big ones. I don't mm-hmm. know if the AMPP still even existed.
0: Well, yeah. Well, it's 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 pretty much. The APC and the PDP and um, AD is still kind of like yeah. AD
1: has been has been merged it's into started,
0: yeah it's, it's it's been merged um, yeah so it, it's well so on paper the the PDP and the APC remain the juggernauts if you like <laughs> um, but they um, that's a different conversation because. Um, if Nigeria is going to uh, sort of break out of the predictable path that it's on, which is a path of disaster, you know, uh, we must then end this ping pong between the APC and the PDP because as I've argued before, um, in fact, in 2015, I wrote a column where I said that uh, the APC and the PDP were the same party, essentially, Mm -hmm. uh, ideologically and in terms of personnel. Okay. So, um, my hope is that the 2023 general elections in Anambra state, I mean in Nigeria, sorry, the 2023 general elections in Nigeria will finally provide, uh, uh, the opportunity for the enlightened political forces in the country to coalesce around a different political organization. And I keep feeling that the kind of energy that one saw with the UNSARS movement, where young people came out in their thousands, hundreds of thousands across all the cities in Nigeria, and Wanted to institute major change around law enforcement in their country. I think that with the right husbanding, <laughs> that that energy can be harnessed again and 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 and, and uh, used to bring into focus a different political party that would supplant both the APC and the PDP, and that's.
1: Yeah, that's the next, um, you know, the big the big guys that have announced so far. Um, and when the little guys announced, um, in fact, there was a few guys that announced the last time that it seemed that they ran uh, to essentially benefit from the publicity of running. Um, but it seems like a whole bunch of people running this time. And I'm saying this because it should open, these things should open the doors to... F- when you talk of NSAS, finding a way of um, uh, the youths, the, the younger people, um, uh, the people that haven't occupied these offices or haven't stained, um, you know, their, their what you know, their, their public legacy, or public image, mm-hmm. what whatever term I use, mm-hmm. to give those people a chance to run. I'm, I'm, I'm t- talking about people like told me who I was running a whole bunch mm-hmm. of times, but who is widely respected. Um, as um as as not just a technocrat but also a a you know had plenty of stories spoken with the man a lot of times um but people like that left right and center so it's it'll be interesting to look at the the crop of people running now are they doing what happened four years ago where mm-hmm. a lot of people ran just because they found oh mm-hmm. young people can run mm-hmm. and then a couple of them i know of essentially run and Gain fame mm-hmm. by running for that, like, oh, this is a young guy running. You know, is it going? Are they, are, are, is it going to open it for a serious campaign of people? Mm-hmm. I mean that that would be that would be um, um, interesting to see if that happens because right now the way the, the way the wind is blowing, the way the sails are going right now, it just seems like we are going to end up with the same old.
0: Mm. Well, that's that's what it seems. Um, That's how it seems, but I don't think it's inevitable because I I also don't think that um, anybody foresaw uh, the Ensai's movement, okay? Uh, It used to be that in the 70s and 80s, Nigeria had a vibrant student union leadership and labor leadership. And then the political class, as well as the military, figured out that they could get into the game. And so what they started doing was that they would go and find the most reactionary, um, unprincipled people and give them money and help them to become leaders of student student unions in Nigerian universities and polytechnics. And then for labor unions, they would do the same thing where they would sponsor some of the most... Uh, backward thinking, gut-minded, um, uh, gut-obsessed—you know—grubby uh, people to become uh, labor you union know, leaders, and and so that way, the two critical sectors are used to come together, okay, to launch major protests in Nigeria for change, were emasculated. But I so I think that that's what surprised uh, Buhari and the political class uh, when the NSAS movement started, um, because it seemed to come from nowhere. It was, you know, there was a sudden combustion which nobody had foreseen, but that energy is in Nigeria. We are producing every day where, first of all, we're majority young population, okay? So demographically, uh politics, if you find somebody, if you find politicians who know what they are doing, the political game should, fa- should favor younger candidates or candidates who at least have uh, a sense of commitment to the long term, to the future of Nigeria, rather than a sense of their immediate gain from politics. Okay. But what what happens is is that even those uh who are they uh, enlightened candidates, you know, the um, you know they Moralos or the Patotomies or you know, that some of them play into a certain um uh unfortunate, almost tragic um dependence on the whole idea that it is the obasanjas and the Yaradua and the Danjumas and the Babangidas who still give their blessing to the winning candidate. So they, they go and congregate around these people rather than spending time to articulate a winning message and to take that message to young people where they are, whether it's in uh, their villages or the universities, colleges of education, polytechnics, and indeed in markets, you know, in markets, right? So a candidate um, who is going to make a difference in Nigeria um, is going to have that combination of a winning message, you know, so it's going to take discipline, to do an analysis of the problems of Nigeria mm-hmm. and to do um, an updated, expansive manual of the way we get out of this, these crises in, in the country. And then you have to know how to sell the message. You have to go to where the people are. As I've always told candidates, if you win the young people, first of all, they are in the majority. If you win them with your message, then they go to their parents. And because they know their parents, they will convince their parents to support you. But if the lighting candidates sort of try to play the same game that the Atikus and the Tinubus and the, you know, uh, the rest of them play, then they play into the hands of these two political behemoths. You know, So we're going to end up with an APC president or a PDP president, which will translate into disaster continuing for Nigeria.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, from the Pulse I feel, um, taking a look at the Pulse, whether it's um, on social media platforms, um, the conversations with, with the, Niger- the young Nigerians for that matter, um, it feels like there's literally no support for I, there's literally no support for young candidates. Maybe the best you'd see is a little flicker of support for a Marga or maybe a Fela Durotoye. Mm. It it it's very minute. Um, and in one way, you could say, yeah, you know, some of these guys. In my and you you we've spoken about it. You pointed out that you felt you feel like if somebody's going to um, be able to get close to capturing. Um, the, the seat of the presidency, like Mogalu, it needed to have started much, much earlier than now that it's, it's kind of even late. So, in one way, some people, which I've heard people ask the man directly, someone like Mogalu directly, this kind of questions like, um, hey, you know, um, where are you? You're not on ground, you're not doing. And even when you come, it seems like you're more interested in seeing some. Um, some of the, the elites that you feel, just like you've spoken of, whether it's the Bubangidas or the an Emia somewhere, where they say, Hey, look, where they can point to I I know this person here. Or in fact, I was listening to a candidate on one of the social media platforms and he was talking about they said, Why did you decide to run the young candidate that was living out here? Um, living in Houston, I think. Mm-hmm. And they asked him why did you want to run? And he said I think, I mean he mumbled a bunch of stuff. Mm. But one of the, all due respect to him, you know, one of the things he said was, um, uh, a a analogy told him to <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I'm just listening to this mm-hmm. this because yeah. I I you know, but you know, it it, it feels like even the young candidates coming up are really, really hilarious people as well. That's
0: so, that's so messed up. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the old playbook. I remember years ago in the 80s, um, any politician who was coming up and you said to them, why do you want to run? Uh, some of them would say, uh, my people asked me to kind of represent them. Okay, my people asked me to go and represent them. Or, you know, I have consulted widely, you know, which we're <laughs> going to do something on T-N-B-U, uh coming up. So we're going to talk about that. But this whole idea of somebody told me to come and run. Anybody who says that, okay, whether it's even that you, you heard from St. Saint, Saint, Saint Peter, okay, <laughs> that God wants you to run, you know. Which I think is uh uh some years ago, um Pastor Cruso Cotier you know said God told him
1: uh, <laughs> was,
0: you know so it's it's all ridiculous, all these um, no if you want to lead a space lead nigeria it you need almost a sense of um of hubris, you have to feel um you know, it's like the story as a, as, as a graduate student, okay? Um, I was taking a fiction workshop one day and uh, uh, the professor asked all of us who were, you know, apprentices, novelists, short story writers, why do you write? And we were 14 of us in the class. And everybody said some mumbo-jumbo about, you know, I'm writing to get in tune with myself. I'm writing to understand myself, that sort of nonsense. And I said, no, I won't come to a writing workshop to understand myself. So when it came my turn, I said to, to the professor, I said, I believe that I have uh, extremely important stories to tell and that the world of literature would be a poorer place if my story was not part of his pantheon. And the professor said to everybody that when he himself was a student, that everybody would answer the way I answered. But the industry had become so philistinic, so difficult, that people were so dispirited, and everybody was now talking about studying, writing, and how to get in, t- in tune with themselves, right? <laughs> so I like to see the same kind of almost haughtiness, uh, but a haughtiness that is also wedded to to vision, okay, uh, and to purpose, a sense of purpose. I want to see somebody uh, have a little bit of the kind of arrogance that Awo brought to the table. You know, I like that, you know. Awo felt he was the best leader Nigeria should have ever had. Whether that was true or not, I like that kind of energy and that kind of commitment from a leader. So giving a choice between a leader who says, Oh, people came and dragged me up and said, I should go and run. And somebody who says, Hey, I have a lot to offer. I'm the best person for the job. I'll take the second person. I'll take the second person seriously. uh, Provided of course, that he or she shows me something else shows me. I have a vision of how to reorder society because, um, when we talk about the, the pitfalls of this two-party system that we have in Nigeria, if almost, unless there is some dramatic surprise within the APC or the PDP, otherwise, almost any candidate that would emerge out of those two political parties will be terrible news for from, from Nigeria. Terrible. Yeah yeah okay so so and and which is why in a lot of ways you and i are doing something that some people will think okay these are two uh, you know two idealistic uh, pretty much guys <laughs> sitting in america <laughs> and blowing drama right but what's the alternative Every Nigerian, I've never met a Nigerian. Well, occasionally I've met a sick Nigerian who thinks that things are fine. And typically somebody who has a deep connection in government or who is in government, him or herself, and so is getting something for nothing, right? Getting Mm -hmm. a lot of money. But typically I've never seen, I've I've met very few Nigerians, extremely few Nigerians who are happy with the way their country is. OK, uh, so we have a country that is actually held afloat. Nigeria should have sunk a long time ago, you know, in the in the 90s. But Mangeda gave an interview where he says that he was baffled, bewildered that Nigeria, you know, was still going. It's like they it's like they um, what's that battery that they say, you know. Uh, it, Duracell, Duracell batteries as it goes in and going and going because, and I think that when Buhari said that, that he was speaking out of a particular self knowledge and acuity of knowledge because he had done a lot to grind that country into extinction, and somehow the next day Nigeria will be there, and this guy said, I don't understand how that happens, right? So it's as if we have had leaders. For decades now, who are at best mediocre, at worst disastrous for the country. Who their their actions tend, uh, seem to be driven by this animus to destroy the country, and yet the country stands. So I think that there is certain there's an undeniable ingenuity on the part of Nigerians, which is why. A truck dies in America. You take mm-hmm. it to Nigeria. Nigerians make it drive, bring mm-hmm. it back to life, and make it drive from Lagos to Kanu for another ten years. You know, uh, in America they will say, you know, there is nothing we can do. You know, it's uh, grand total it right. Mm-hmm. So, but so we have to understand that we have a disaster of a country which is barely afloat. And float only because of the, this great energy that we bring, this great um, spunk that as they say in know, they carry last. So even when we come last, we have a swagger so that somebody watching us will think, wow, these people are fresh <laughs> <laughs> You know, because we bring this kind of swagger, you know, we dance and we you know do things, and people might think, wow. Did I just see this guy, you know, take the first position? No, we're last, but we don't hang ourselves our heads in shame. Well, so I have all, I've said for the last twenty years that Nigeria should not be meddling with the likes of our passenger, you know, the likes of Yaradua, of Goodluck Jonathan, of Babangida we really need the best managers of human affairs that we can find, okay? And people who have a vision, people who can say with pride, I can turn Nigeria into the South Africa that Nigerians run to, the Dubai that Nigerians run to. You know, these these entities were created by human beings like the rest of us. And there are Nigerians who have the talent to create Nigeria, to recreate Nigeria into those same entities, to give a semblance of, you know, you and I were just watching a picture of a relative of mine in the hospital in Nigeria. You see the, the state of a hospital <laughs> in Nigeria, and this is one of the best ones, right?
1: Imagine what the was so, was to look precise, like. To precise. So,
0: precisely. So, every sector, you look at roads, you look at healthcare, you look at uh, the financial sector, uh, you look at education, every sector in Nigeria needs to be radically, not radically, but uh, dramatically reimagined and reformed. And so the Tinubus of our world, the Sarakis of our world, the Atikus of our world, all they understand is the same lazy uh, enrichment of themselves and of their minions, okay, with a root contract here and there. Nigeria is sinking deeper into this terrible, terrible place. And so the ENSA's movement, if there's that kind of instantaneous combustion again, Nigeria may just be on fire, you know, we wouldn't recognize it, so we better get 2023 right, and that's why I'm not giving up yet on the prospect in fact, it's it should be imperative that a different political track emerge from 2023
1: Yeah, well, I mean that would be the ideal um, you know, in some ways, Nigeria is like a really bad marriage, it's like if you are in, uh, there's a very common thing in the, um, and it's factual, it's not It's not a lie. In the US military, um, when you join, which a lot, of, a lot of people join at a young age, mm-hmm. um, a good part of your salary, especially if you join as um, a junior enlisted, mm-hmm. a good part of your salary is determinant on how many dependents you have. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people join single, mm-hmm. and they quickly go and, um, married first person they can find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, you know, when I say the first person they can find, I, I literally um, mean like they marry strippers. I'm not that strippers wow. shouldn't get married, but <laughs> you get you should get the concept I'm trying to mm-hmm. they marry anybody that will agree to marry them. Mm-hmm. And um in a lot of cases they end up um, in um terrible relationships Mm -hmm. which the next very common thing about the u.s military is divorce and bad relation in fact Mm -hmm. there is a cadence if you go to youtube you would see i don't know if it's bad now but there's a cadence when you're running and you're not running well (laughs) there's a cadence about um the infidelity of your spouse while you're (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Nigeria feels like that very terrible marriage um in some regard um even though you know, we have had movies like Pretty Woman that, you know, has so it feels like it's a possibility to, sort in some regard, it feels like we might be watching Pretty Richard Gere and Julia Roberts, and mm. one day it will find its way and it will all be Kumbaya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying all this because, I, like I say, I go on all these platforms and I listen to people and even down to the... the 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 this thing you would find um people on even even when you go to toxic platforms mm-hmm. where you find love fighting whether it's whichever one you know twitter or clubhouse it mm-hmm. seems like it's not just is that nig it's not that ju- it's not just the saying that nigeria will carry last and this is amongst the young population mm-hmm. it seems like nigeria strive to carry strive to carry first mm-hmm. Even in the most irrelevant mm. and mundane mm-hmm. and ridiculous things, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you go to Twitter. It's like the Nigeria Twitter is is massive, and what's the, one of, one of the? I'm not saying there are no good things that happen in these places. It's just that what what's the major things that happen there? A lot of irrelevant things. It's not people having conversations on how, um, you know how practical things. You know when you get, the most practical thing you get to hear is. Stuff like somebody will be telling you our oh, elections are, you know, a, a choice between lesser of two evils. Mm. You know, um, Tiku and Buhari, who is less <laughs> evil? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's yeah. and these are the young people, mm-hmm. so it's like, even when the young people are not willing to take a chance, do you expect the older ones in a country where, um, it's really difficult? to find um, young people in leadership positions in some ways some people have institutionalized their um, um, what they might term as their societal and ethnic um, hierarchy like you know how this little you know Mm -hmm. there's no differentiation even though if you go back funny enough um, prior to um, the British coming, he had a lot of young leaders and then by the time the British come politically, most of these people we talk about, the Aarhus, the Zigs, mm-hmm. the Analo, Analo's, um, even though they took over from an older Herbert Macaulay, mm-hmm. most of these people were really young. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, they started their political career and almost literally. all of them were mm-hmm. under, I mean, literally everybody was, now was like under 30. Mm-hmm. So, but in this day and age, it's like this thing. There's another, um, this thing that you find a whole bunch of people championing. that I just, I mean, I could just go down the list of absurd things I hear people championing. Um, it's more like, wait your turn. Mm-hmm. Why are you contesting for this higher position? Why are you contesting for governor? Why don't you go and contest for local government mm-hmm. counselor? Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't even, and you're seeing, you're looking at a fully grown individual, mm-hmm. man or woman, who has, um, in, in some cases had um tremendous success or tremendous at least you know has done reasonable things in their lives but you're like yeah there are a lot of people ahead of you Mm -hmm. um you gotta wait your turn and you have the malaise of obviously all kinds of i mean by the way we'll keep getting into it um zoning that has um um, eaten into the fabric of Mm -hmm. of nigeria and this thing you know it's like Oh, you have to wait your turn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's... it's it, But the worst part is not even that these things exist. The worst part is these are the conversations. These are the, are the, the hills that young the Nigerians mm-hmm. are standing on now.
0: Well, it's crazy. So, so, so this is the way I understand it. So um, just like you, I share some of that profound disappointment to find the poverty of vision Okay, amongst young people, right? And there's a paradox um, that, again, Nigeria is a majority, by far, young population. So young people literally should dictate what happens in that country, in every sector, but certainly politically. But here they are, young people saying, to fellow young people, even those with drive, energy, vision, or, uh, you know, go and wait now. It's not your turn. Let Baba Tinubu go, okay? Uh And yet, um, Baba Tinubu and the people that are saying should go, all they have is that they've accumulated years without accumulating wisdom or without accumulating real, verifiable achievement outside of outside the primitive accumulation of wealth which was gotten illicitly which you can't defend in a society that depends on law and order a lot of the big men in nigeria will be in jail but part of the pathology of nigeria is that we uh you know we allow a few men mostly, to steal the country's resources and to steal it to a staggering degree. And then we look at them and they loom so large and we can't contemplate throwing them in jail. You know, so it's like they're big. But these are big criminals. So they are the first people we should throw in jail if, we, if we're ever... Going to create a meaningful society. So, so that point that that uh, the young people are seem perhaps even more profoundly confused uh, than the older ones. So that that point is there. Mm-hmm. Even so, I think that rather than yield to this tempting despair, right, and say, okay, young people are hopeless. They don't get it. They uh, um they enable these old politicians who have wrecked their lives to continue to wreck their lives, I think that um, I lay the blame ultimately, squarely uh, at the feet of the uh, younger and more educated, more enlightened politicians that Again, I understand them. A Yalu has to make a living. He's, uh, you know, he worked in the banking sector internationally, came to Nigeria, worked at the central bank. He's a professor uh, of economics and finance in some of the world's, you know, most prestigious universities. He has to pay bills for himself. He has to pay bills for his family, I'm sure. He still has some of his children in uh, universities and so on and so forth. So he doesn't have the comfort. I mean, in, uh, in America say there'll be a foundation uh, that might give you a grant, you know, so that you spend time, you can just do occasional speaking or you go around and give speeches and there's a foundation that pays you. We don't have those kinds of institutions in Nigeria. Um, and so, but, but ultimately, if you want to be a leader, you have to understand that it cannot be a part-time thing. Because the tinbuos of our world, the atikus, are going around to weddings and giving cars at weddings and giving a lot of money uh, to brides and grooms and so on. And it's for them a way of spreading their political wings. Okay? So... We don't have to give money. We don't have to go to weddings. But we can go to universities. You know, when Moogalo is in Nigeria, or if, if, uh, Durotoya, they should go around uh, and give talks at universities. Because I think you need to capture the youth. You need to, you need to shake up what Sherinka will call this complacency. Okay, This complacent way of looking at the world. You have to shake it up. You have to shock people, okay? Take the game to the young people. Tell them, remind them that they complain because that's that's the that's the thing with Nigerians. You know, everywhere Nigerians congregate in bars, in you know, on the internet and so on, we complain about the deep rot in the country. But then you say to Nigerians there's a rally tomorrow to address a problem. And they say, uh, you know, I'm going to meet a friend of mine, and, you know, somebody will go and have pepper soup someplace, you know. So we, and then, you know, so we sort of feel uh, God will solve our problems. So to recap, the enlightened politicians have to bring the game to the people, they have to um, speak in a language that is not. Disconnected from the people, but a language that is indeed rooted in people's experience, okay? Define the problems in Nigeria. And define them in digestible terms. And then define the solutions. If you if you have the discipline to do this, and you create a team around you, you know, um, and you utilize all the technologies we have, the phone, right? So Nigerians, how many videos do I get? I mean, if if you look, for example, at my uh, if you look at my WhatsApp, uh, so there is this account where I have nine hundred a thousand plus messages I haven't opened. It's mostly videos that people are sending to me, right? 220, 18, 606, 35, 130, 200 Eighty four, one 126. So these are things that people send to me. If you open them, it's mostly videos. Some of them, you know, they see a woman who is dancing and shaking her buttocks. <laughs> they send it to you. You know, so we, 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 it's as if we live in a global village and we're global idiots. Okay. So we're sending all this nonsense that, you know, have nothing to do with anything. But when you say to Nigerians that has an important political message to share, Uh, they will decide they have no data. Yeah. Okay. So we got to wake up. And if we don't wake up, I want Nigerians to know that they will wake up in 2023 and they're going to have a president who will just luxuriate, take extended medical trips in Europe or America, and the country would just be going down the drains as it's been going for much of its 60-year life.
1: Yeah, probably have a, comp- a, a, a president living in New York, a uh, governor <laughs> living in. But anyway, uh, touch on two things before we go, um, before we end this episode. Um, one, the first thing is this judiciary thing. Yes. Um, it, you know, in this case, it did come through, um, it's not always the case, mm-hmm. and less and less so it is the case, far, far less. We've seen the elites mm-hmm. very critically in the country, the mm-hmm. political elites and those people who have branded themselves and their class as being chosen by God. Mm-hmm. They've done this in the last 40 years, 45 years, about prior to the end of the civil war, starting with the Inuanwada's Anwada and Co., in my opinion, by the way, Inwanwada is the one that financed the, what what people term as the counter-coup in Nigeria. I'm um, not, not getting into that, but they've come out from that branch and largely have uh, branded themselves the leaders uh, politically. And people 100% believe it. They also have seen that the judiciary is something that they need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. We've seen it with Buhari um, on the controversy on who he appointed as chief judge and the way they've been appointing the chief chief justice of the country. We've been seeing it with, for instance, an example of uh, Peter Mm Odili and his wife, Mm -hmm. Mary Odili, who they made sure they put her on the Supreme Court. Um, And his daughter, who is also a judge as well. Uh, and the, the examples are numerous in states, um, state judiciaries. Um, you'd see it, um political classes. Um, I've seen states in the East, not to pinpoint them, where um, the entire judiciary had the patronage of uh, the governors mm-hmm. from 98 at the time. And it's fact a our governor, even gives them land, um, official gives them, just to make sure nothing will go against mm-hmm. these governors. We can I can we can point out instances. I mean it happened for instance it happened in the States. I mean that's for as an example, but it's pretty it was pretty widespread. Um the governor gives them what was supposed to be official residency of judicial, gives it to you know, to make sure that any the numerous cases that were sitting against him, justifiable cases, you know, based on the facts, would ne- would be frustrated and if they wouldn't hopefully not see the light of day or you know, a lot of hanky-panky could take place. Evidential things wouldn't be admissible in court. You, you know, um, things that shouldn't happen in court should happen. We are seeing all these things. So, um, it's 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 to say that um, even though the judiciary came through, it itself is literally not independent. It itself is literally. I mean, you know, you could say it in it, even though. The other side of it is even though Emiria Dely, for example, um, has been pushed to the Supreme Court and is number two, and then there's even the battle now on whether she should be the Chief Judge and all of that. You could say it for the other part that even she is not safe because her house got raided by uh, okay. unknown. Yeah, uh, not to be, I'm, not in. being sympathetic towards mm-hmm. her, but mm-hmm. the fact is that even she herself is not safe. So mm-hmm. some of these judges, given the correct ruling might in some ways as well be doing so out of self survival It's mm-hmm. like, look, this is a madhouse. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. if this is the little I can do yeah. to... Because we've seen prominent Nigerians get assassinated. Like, mm-hmm. if our chickens die, better death than... Mm-hmm. And sadly, it's not even goats die. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even want to call names in the way some of them we've spoken about it um, were assassinated. Like, um, um, Chikia Queenly and other mm-hmm. people. We've seen prominent Nigerians get killed. Um, just like that and Mm -hmm. people will point fingers to the the easy targets oh it's I Paul boys this is that where it could be something else and Mm -hmm. literally no investigation Mm -hmm. so in some ways some of the judiciary guys might be acting on those those impulses but in some ways we also have to recognize that the, the judiciary itself for more or less has largely been merged into the um, ruling, club, ruling class, mm-hmm. so even though we have these bright spots here and there, and people on principle should stand by them, and I'm sure there are a lot of there are a lot more, um, principal judicial officers, uh, than maybe, other parts of of, mm-hmm. of of the government in Nigeria. But it doesn't really say a lot mm-hmm. if you're saying mm-hmm. we have maybe five more honest people. (laughs) 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 But, you know, it's to say that, and that's something I wanted us to just uh, touch on.
0: Well, you know, um, when I I talk about um, every sector of Nigeria needing some rethinking, reimagination, the judiciary is key. Uh so from time to time as in the judgment for that that just wrecked Andy Obat politically and um put him in his place because Andy has epitomized this politics of um buying things, you know. So nomination of his party he just hijacks the, the hierarchy of the party, they announce him as the winner and so on. And uh, he takes a principled Kinsley more a uh, judge more. to to go to court, defying pleas by some sectors of his party to withdraw his lawsuit. And then you have a judge who looks at the facts uh, in a very clinical way and decides, yes, indeed, um, the APC did not hold its primary, which it promised to hold. And so uh, please remove, erase Andrew as a candidate in the election, remove his record, remove the APC and refund uh, George Marley's money. we must celebrate, even though they are a bit too rare, but we must celebrate these judgments by courageous judges who do the right thing, okay? Um, And yet we must call for major reform of the judiciary, the way that judges are selected. I lived in Nigeria when The judiciary was widely respected. You know, some of the best legal minds wanted to be on the bench. So today, on the contrary, you find some mediocrities, people who couldn't afford any, uh, I'm not saying everybody, but a sizable proportion of lawyers who can't afford uh, to give themselves and their families um, a modicum of decent livelihood, practicing law, lobby to be made judges because you know there's a lot of you know corruption and there are all kinds of privileges uh, that accrue uh, to that office. So the judiciary clearly we have to uh, our dem- democracy collapses when you have a weak or a suborned uh, emasculated judiciary and for the most part that's what we we have you know uh, judges are uh open to intimidation and we've seen uh cases where judges were you know uh, justice salami was just you know uh, thrown away ju- just retired because the man was deemed a bit too principled and so on so we need to we need to um to, to look at reforming the judiciary, to, to making them independent in the best uh, sense of that word, um, um, look at revamping even our laws, because some of, you know, some of the uh, um, legal concepts that we have, which depend too much on a British tradition you know, have not aligned properly, you know, with, um, uh, with our cultural and traditional living tr- uh, values and so on in Nigeria. So, there are all kinds of alignment which a leadership that is attuned, that is visionary, uh, that has the enterprise can begin to build all the sectors together. And that's, that's exactly why I say Nigeria should not wish another APC or PDP leader, okay? Um, Nigeria's problems, by the way, go much deeper than the person who is president, or the person, the pe- people who are commissioners and ministers and, and so on, because we have the constitution, and I think at one point we're going to do, x-ray the constitution, the Nigerian constitution. <laughs> um, yeah, you talked earlier about Nigeria being a terrible marriage. Okay, I agree, but it's one of those terrible marriages where you can't point to one party to the marriage and say that's the source of all the problems you know and I know it's easy for people to say, Okay, the northerners are the problem, or you know this other group are the problem i I don't agree. I think that to one degree or another. Every sector of Nigeria has participated in creating the mess that is that country. And so every sector has to participate in solving uh, the problem of Nigeria. And if Nigeria in the end doesn't work, we must insist on an amicable breakup, you know, because there is nothing inevitable. Nigeria, you know, I you know I agree with what Shonika. says he believes in people, not in nations. <laughs> Same way I look at myself, right? Mm-hmm. I believe in nation. I believe in people, not in nations. So um, there are good Nigerians from every part of Nigeria, and there are horrible Nigerians from every part of Nigeria. If 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 we can't manage out this unsteady sometimes violent, you know, tumultuous marriage, then we must agree to separate. But of course, when we talk about separation, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, we separate Igbo, house, and we forget that we have another 200 plus
1: different in fact, ethnic
0: groups that may not want to be a part of this tree.
1: I don't know if you saw the statement by the governor of Eboi state that said uh, there's a Bihar but I, I believe it was I, I didn't look too much into it but it just made sense. Mm. So there's a Bihar where Eboi people don't want to be part of the Whoa. they've suffered or died. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like um, I, the Afibbo people have suffered or right. died or the general Igbo people I'm like wow. <laughs> you, you, you know I mean
0: it's, it's like when we talk about Biafra, which is again a different topic, so not something that I, I want us to get into today, but just in passing, In reading Wema Ban's amazing novel, which I'd like to talk about at some point, mm-hmm. New York, My Village, uh, the war focuses on the experience of the, uh, of the minority groups within Biafra, how they were crushed from both sides by Nigerian soldiers and by Biafran soldiers those people and this is you know the novel is of course a work of fiction but a lot of it is based on historical research uh you see acts of savagery rape you know uh burying people alive done by biafran soldiers as well as nigerian soldiers so when we blightly say that you know we we're going to uh recreate biafra and it's going to you know the niger delta is part of it without proper accounting, okay, and conversation with the Niger Delta uh, to say to them, do you want to be part of this? And if you do, on what terms? You know, and that's one thing that people must always do. That's one thing I insist that Nigeria cannot be a country where some leader like Buhari will say Nigeria is non-negotiable. No, Nigeria is a damn thing. Everything is negotiable. <laughs> you know, there's nothing that is non-negotiable, you know, I love my wife. I love my children. But every day we negotiate to stay together, (laughs) to stay a family. (laughs) Very true. You know? Uh My parents were amazing parents. But there was a time as a young man, I was a very rebellious young man. I basically threatened to leave the family. And, you know, my parents had disciplined me and I wanted to leave and, you know, and So on, so there's everything is negotiable
1: 100% Japan, agree,
0: and uh, Nigeria is negotiable. 100%. So, one other thing that I want to get into um, so we talked about uh, how Judge Moralo triumphed in court, and um, of course, uh, we didn't talk about the, the, the fact that he's never it's unlikely that he's going to get that 22.5 million, mm-hmm. uh, Chike Madewe. Uh, had his judgment in 2017. He's not collected his money. Okay, uh, at some point he's planning to do something radical to go and garnish the property of the of the PDP. But that's another uh, element of of judicial verdicts in Nigeria. That in this country, in America, for example, if the court awards you something, you get it. In Nigeria. <laughs> I read the other day that the Namdekano had been awarded a billion naira or something. And good luck. Um, good luck, precisely, <laughs> see, seeing one naira. <laughs> Work, <man>.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's just, it ties down to lack of institutions, mm-hmm. strong men. So, on that note, um, is that the final word for this episode? Well, I think. Um,
0: I think that that should suffice. Uh, It's been uh, a surprisingly uh, invigorating subject, I think. Um, We weren't sure that this would work, uh, but I think think it's worked. Um, Clearly, the message is that we need a more robust, more independent and uh, courageous judiciary and that the judiciary has a, a role to play in keeping political parties in Nigeria honest, both in terms of the uh, intra-party um, affairs of the parties, where they do uh, uh, primaries and so on, and in terms of general elections, you know, as we know, uh, a lot of Nigerian politicians have this sense that they would rig the election and then tell their opponent. Don't overheat the polity, go to court. Mm-hmm. Knowing that once you are in office, you have access to public funds and you can use this to prosecute the case, your case, and to bribe the judiciary. But we need a kind of a system that will make it more and more difficult, more and more hard for these political, criminal, political actors to succeed. And so, uh, thank you very much for joining us again on this. Um, exciting edition of the Offside Museums podcast and please tune in for our next edition coming to you soon. Thanks.